Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hello and welcome to Get The Table, another wrestling roundtable discussion podcast with myself, Adam Wilborn, and one of the Dadly Boys, Michael Sidgwick from What Culture Here, to discuss another burning wrestling issue. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on either iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from, for daily wrestling podcasts, where we review Raw, SmackDown, NXT, AEW, Dynamite, pay-per-views, we have interviews, more roundtable discussions like this one, and a roundup of the week complete with a bloody good quiz, of course, on wrestling culture. As I said, though, joined by Michael Sidgwick. And, sir, we are gathered here. We are socially distanced here today, for now at least, to talk about the fact that, well, it's not been announced at time of recording, but it's generally accepted. I can't believe I'm saying this. Daniel Bryan, or more specifically, Bryan Danielson, is all elite. I will caveat this, just like I did our podcast around CM Punk yesterday with me and Michael Hampler that we are recording this in advance. We're recording this on Friday afternoon. So if Brian shows up on bloody SmackDown or they announce that he's signed somewhere else or whatever, okay, but we didn't know that at time of recording. But disregarding all that, Michael Sidgwick, first of all, your reaction when this news broke earlier on this week that we'd sort of speculate on it, but we never, or I certainly never thought it would happen until I saw these reports. Hands held up. I didn't either. I just felt that they'd really tried to put the squeeze on him. They'd given him some kind of informal-ish backstage creative role. They very much listened to his input. I was always mystified by this, if I'm honest. I couldn't imagine Daniel Bryan with his value system, like suiting up Mm. and like palling up with like Michael Hayes. You know what (laughs) I mean? It just didn't feel like Daniel Bryan or Brian Danielson, and yet he was keenly um, influential in terms of getting the Mustafa Ali Mustafa Ali match mm. penciled in at WrestleMania before it obviously could not happen. Um, his Planet's Champion gimmick was his idea because he realised that, well, I've botched my face turn. Can I do this heel turn? And can I do this heel turn specifically? Um Drew Gulak is another guy that he just Mm. wanted to work with because he wanted to work with that person and he wanted to get that person on telly because he deemed him like vastly underutilized. Um, Same with Chad Gable. They were doing some skits and such with Alpha Academy. Um, But there was always this strange disconnect for me of Daniel Bryan in a suit, in creative in WWE. 
And the fact that these things weren't legitimately happening, I just thought, ah, oh, it's a shame he's been fed pill. Hmm. I legitimately thought he'd been just absorbed into that bubble environment that people just get into when they've been in WWE for a certain amount of time. So I was so shocked by the rumour. And I, here's the thing, this is, I don't want this to get misconstrued at all, right? Cassidy Haynes, is it, from Bodyslam.net? Mm-hmm. I'm absolutely not putting him down there with the absolute dirt worst scoopsters, grifters, bad faith actors. And I know he's got um, a good rep and a decent track record, but this is more of a sign of respect to Sean Ross Sapp than it is a burial of Cassidy Haynes. But when it wasn't Sapp who broke the news or Meltzer or Johnson, one of your more really established guys, I was like, well, I don't know yet. And then Meltzer's outright said, yeah, he's pretty much there. Mm-hmm. Brian Alvarez has said, I don't know for certain, but I believe he has signed that. Reading between the lines, look, I can't say anything, but people have told me <laughs> off the record. Like, but because of A, how much I want it to happen. It's like a dream scenario. Like I spent literally years of my life, or at least the parts of my life where I watch friggin' telly on an evening, hmm. wishing Brian Danielson was in a major corporation, major promotion that actually liked him for, for <laughs> years, for, for honestly years. So because I like him that much and because I just thought, oh, he's really in there with WWE and that's odd. Mm-hmm. I just didn't allow myself to believe it until about yesterday. And the thing is, it's like, I didn't think about it that much until now where I'm being a mark and I'm fantasy booking, which we'll get into. But here's the key thing for me with Punk and Brian. Like, I'm not so desperate for them to return that like it consumes every time I have a think about wrestling. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm as excited for that 10 man it's <laughs> yeah. like for the fallen as I am about Punk and Brian. The key difference between AEW bringing major names in compared to WWE bringing in Cena and Goldberg as an example and a relevant one is that. Oh, it's to be a massive bonus to this thing I already think is absolutely exceptional. So for all of those reasons, I just thought, if it happens, absolutely great. But now that I've convinced myself and it's becoming really apparent that it is in fact happening, brother, I'm getting absolutely hyped. I'm running through brick walls hyped at this point. Yeah, it was... <laughs> we'll talk more about what this means for, for AEW and for... Uh, for everything really going forward and of course dream matches because it would be it was heartbreaking occasionally to hear you talk about and I'm sure you'll get into it when you talk about his match with Kenny Omega um, the prospect of Danielson and Omega and even the literal move set that you've talked about but you'd sit there and you'd say, but that's not happening. And yet here we are, full office meme. Oh my God, okay, it's happening. It's happening. What's the protocol? Stay calm. Stay calm. That's basically the what culture wrestling office over the last few days, effectively. Um, we talked a lot about it, a lot about Daniel Bryan when we heard about his contract expiring. Um and his argued disillusionment a little bit with WWE when he talked about that match at WrestleMania, for example. And we saw the lengths to which WWE have attempted to keep him, uh, presumably initially saying, it's going to be some awkward dinners with uh, Johnny Laurinaitis to come forward if you if you do leave, but also saying, uh, maybe we could 
work with New Japan. But in, in terms of why he's going to AEW, it's a combo of a few things, really, isn't it? It's obviously like the, the, the creativity, the ability to, to really craft his own storylines is key. But also, as I alluded to, he wants to go and do stuff in other promotions and presumably to have a bit of a handle on his contract in terms of how rigorous that schedule is. Yes, indeed. Um, Meltzer's reported, he didn't have to report this because Daniel, uh, Brian Danielson, so good to say the full name again, he himself has been interviewed. And Wilborn, you're an interviewer. You're obviously interested in the subject, but you know for a fact in the back of your mind, you have to ask certain questions that you know you're going to get like a headline out of. Mm. This is part of the, the job. So when you are asking questions you want at least one biggish title in mind not that you don't want to talk to these people or you're happy to do it or it's like a nice time but a lot of interviewers who interviewed Danielson caught on to the fact that right he really wants to do stuff outside of WWE he really really wants to do this he's been talking for years about um, wrestling in Arena Mexico um, talking about how great it would be to do stuff in New Japan and like, this is the biggest irony as well of how untenable this Dan, uh, Danielson and WWE creative idea was. He wanted a really good long match with Bram Metalik. He was literally there the entire time. Yeah. And he just thought, nah, they couldn't, like, he'll just do it instead of, like, the literally the 103 match you've done on SmackDown this year. <laughs> just have Brian and Metalik just do a match because he really wants it. If you want to keep him happy, it's Easy, just pick a guy who's there who you're paying to do very little and just put him against the guy who you want to keep. So he's basically, he's wanted to do for years. And basically a lot of interviewers cottoned on to the fact that, right, okay, well, we'll get a dream match. Daniel Bryan wants this match and you know that'll sell the article or whatever that advertises the really good interview that will, whatever. And as this happened... A lot. People started to get pissed off with Danielson. I did as well. He's on my round Mount Rushmore. I love mm. the guy this much. And he kept talking about what were always going to be unfulfilled pipe dreams by talking about how he wanted a match with Christ, who knows? Um Tanahashi. Yeah. You know, ex other person from New Japan, Tomohiro Ishii. God damn it, that might actually happen and it would be amazing. Then <laughs> somewhere along the line, Wilborn. He's realized that he can get money wherever he goes because there is money to be made. He doesn't seem to be materially driven yet. If that was the case, maybe he would have left earlier, but it's further complicated by the the head injury and the layoff. Mm. Like they could have played pretty horrendous contractual games with him. And I think he was just smart enough to realize 2021 is not that far away because ultimately he came back in 2018. Um, but somewhere along the line, Wilborn, he's realized it doesn't matter how many calls Nick Khan places to the New Japan office, like that's probably not going to happen. It would be one of the wildest wrestling stories ever for that to happen. And Brian's been at the center of them. And think about this Daniel Bryan, Brian Danielson, has been at the center. This is his latest, absolutely wild wrestling story, right? He gets called a deformed vegan nerd by Michael Cole. Headline WrestleMania four years later. He is iced because of a significant head injury and yet comes back three years later. He is now leaving despite getting the kind of benefits that n- nobody 
or very few people get in that company. Mm. And despite all of these things happening, all of which must lead him to believe, oh, you know, all of my dreams that I could want to come true can. They've happened. And he's still thinking, will WWE, WWE play nicely with others? <laughs> That's not happening. I'll just go to AEW. Like, think of what a optimistic, happy-go-lucky, easy-going guy he is and how much he just thinks, oh, well, things must be possible. Look what I've done with my career. And he still thinks, oh, Christ, I'm never wrestling issue. If I stay here, I must <laughs> play AEW. And that, by all accounts, is the overriding factor behind the decision that by the minute increasingly feels has been made past tense. There are plans to debut them on a specific show. Well, yeah, just just about to get into that. And we will circle back to the ability of AEW to sign someone like Daniel Bryan and the, the contract. We'll go into a bit more details of that as we go, because I just, I'm just reading it very up-to-date. I think it's literally come out. It's, we're recording this on Friday. I think it's come out today from uh, Cassidy Haynes, a further development regarding when the contract negotiations happened. We obviously reported in May, I want to say, that he was his contract was ending and they had that match with Roman Reigns, of course, on SmackDown. But it was a sort of, yeah, he's not got a contract, but Brock Lesnar's got con- not got a contract and he ain't showing up in AEW either sort of thing. Uh, and just reading this from Cassidy Haynes, them saying that basically talks and negotiations between the two sides did not actually begin until sometime over the last couple of weeks, um, which just shows how fast this business can change. But as I said, we'll talk more uh, about what this means generally for AEW uh, alongside the, the potential CM Punk signing as well in due course. But let's talk about that debut, Sige, um, because suggestions have been made that it could be the big Arthur Ashe show. We were talking, me and Hamlet yesterday, about when CM Punk could debut. All signs would point, of course, to All Out in Chicago. But who, who knows? I mean, I don't really care. As long as they're there, they could show up on Bloody Dark for all I care. But you know what I mean? What, how do you think it's going to play out? Uh, and and are you a bit like me? And I don't really mind as long, as long as it happens, as long as I, I see lights down, lights up, and they're either or both of them are stood there, I'm happy. Yes, absolutely. There's a bit of serendipity that's happened with pro wrestling as we, God damn it, fingers crossed, like get vaccinated. Like get vaccinated right now if you are listening to this and you haven't already. It's the right thing to do. It's a safe thing to do. Mm-hmm. And it will enable wrestling to continue happening as it is right now. So as it's happened, AEW has apparently, this is awesome to say, successfully negotiated with CM Punk and he could debut in Chicago. Absolute dream world scenario. Um, we've seen certain things like Guevara and Archer having these, and Starks having these awesome moments in Texas. I don't feel, by the way, remotely shoehorned in. Um, FTR are getting a great match, a dream match in the Carolinas, like next week. AW hasn't announced any um, dates in the Northwest, so you're not going to get that with Brian. So the idea is, according to the Wrestling Observer newsletter, various rumours and indeed pretty much common sense. You want the biggest, most raucous crowd imaginable to do yes chance. Yeah. When Brian Danielson comes out too, and I'm going to burst some bubbles here, he's probably not going to get the final countdown, you know. I remember when I first entertained the idea of Danielson um, potentially signing with 
AEW when they were doing the loser leaves SmackDown match, and my god, they actually lived up to a step. <laughs> How funny is that? It's absolutely class. The fight, and no one watched the show because no one believed it. Um, but he's not coming to the final countdown before I talk about where he is going to debut, and I think the answer is quite obvious. Um, apparently, Trevor Dame, do you follow him on Twitter? No, it's quite funny. Um, sardonic guy, he, um, is a big ROH historian and he tweeted like, don't get your hopes up about the final countdown because apparently ROH at the height of Brian Danielson's um, run there when they were first venturing into pay-per-view and they asked Europe, they inquired about the, um, the rights for the final countdown. And they went, yeah, yeah, just took us a quarter of a million. <laughs> and then the next time, and the next time you want to use it, we'll have another. So apparently the rights fees are exorbitant. And when I first, um, hopped onto Twitter with, oh, Danielson and AW would be great. I've got a mate who's very, who knows a lot about rock music. He just does. And even before this was uncovered by Trevor Dame, he was like, yeah, you ain't getting the rights to that. They are like absolutely ludicrous. Right. Uh, Flight of the Valkyries is free. So why not get Final Countdown once and then just use Valkyries subsequent to that? But look, it's probably going to happen at Arthur Ashe. This is a long-term booking company that has got lots loaded in the chamber. The big concern at this point is Hangman Page is a superstar, megastar, babyface. This program is so hot. It has been built so meticulously and impeccably that realistically, the last thing you want to do is dent his like hero aura at this point by debuting Punk and or Danielson before he reaches the the big euphoric end of his quest. It's, it's a quest for his soul, for his self-worth, all of which is symbolized in the AW world title. You do not want to diminish that in any way by debuting Punk O'Brien before the coronation. It makes absolutely no sense for me whatsoever. Hence why the rumor is, Punk's going to debut in Chicago and Danielson is going to debut two weeks later in New York City at Arthur Ashe. What an absolute massive, massive hanging dick flex that is, by the way. <laughs> so imagine WCW in 1994 going to MSG and I know it's not quite the same except AEW selling more tickets than WCW did in 1994. But I'm not saying Danielson is Hulk Hogan, but an analogy in terms of how potentially transformative this move is, like... An analogy is WCW rocking up to MSG, cock out in front of Vince McMahon and saying, here's Hulk Hogan in Madison Square Garden. It's not like that, but it really isn't unlike that. So I don't think they just want to do this on that date because it'll annoy Vince McMahon and all the rest of it. Like, I think they just want potentially eighteen to 20,000 people and there's 16,000 already. Mm to go absolutely ballistic, absolutely ballistic. And I just feel like the biggest crowd they've ever had, two weeks removed from Hangman Page doing the thing that they've been building towards for over two years. That's just the move, isn't it? Mm. That's the move. It would be, it's fair to say, considering the venue, absolutely ace. 
<laughs> you know what, Wilborn? I have to say that if Brian Danielson debuts on my birthday, the man I travelled an ocean to watch realise his dream at WrestleMania 30 because I loved him as a performer that much. If he debuts on my birthday in possibly my favourite wrestling company ever, one that will book him competently and want to push him to whichever degree he wants to be pushed. If he debuts in front of 20,000 fans, Wilborn, in a tennis stadium, I will love it. <laughs> I knew I'd get you on board eventually with this sort of thing. <laughs> Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Life is full of what-ifs, some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry, and some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs, no deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Right, well, let's have your birthday present come early then, Michael Sidgwick. I'm going to put my feet up probably for the next 10 minutes, let's be perfectly honest here, and say Brian Danielson, dream matches. Not just in AW, because let's be honest, they've got connections with all these other companies. Take your pick. The floor is yours. Kenny Omega. <laughs> it's two guys on my professional wrestling Mount Rushmore in a stage of their careers where they are both probably past their physical primes, but in that absolutely awesome sweet spot where they're probably better performers than they were when they were in their physical primes because the years spent being in the ring has sharpened their ring IQ, their ability to put matches together. Um, Personally, I prefer Shawn Michaels' 90s run to his 2000s run, but as a shorthand comparison, they're both in that post-2002 Michaels place here. It's an easier analogy, even if I don't personally feel it. But two guys on my pro wrestling Mount Rushmore in their, between their physical and psychological primes, I just, give me it, please. I've earned it. I've had anxiety my whole life. Like, 
So I've had a very nice life, to be honest, probably. <laughs> that's, the, that's the thing about anxiety. Sometimes it tells you you haven't. But I would like it. And, you know, they would both love to work with each other. And the match would be incredible. I think I've said this about literally 100 times on this podcast or various versions of our podcasts. I want to see Kenny Omega motion to take Daniel Bryan's not unfragile head off his shoulders, which will add a layer of drama, off his head, off his shoulders, only for Daniel Bryan to roll through at the last second and apply a half crab, transition into a heel hook when Omega looks like he's going to the ropes. Like, there's a million goddamn things these people can do together. One of the reasons why I love each of them so much is that both are so incredible. The other two on the Rushmore, if people are asking, are Bret Hart and Hiroshi Tanahashi, who are both incredible at this as well. They both do things in the first minute or two or three or four or five in a match that, if you pay attention to what they are doing, will richly inform what happens in minute 20, 30, 35. Mm. They take you on a constantly escalating journey that rewards your attention. And as a self-confessed pedantic little twat, Mm. I like professional wrestlers who do this and they are two of the very best. I need that V-trigger half-crab spot. I love the idea of Kenny Omega targeting Brian's head because he's had troubles with it in the past and it will make me very anxious, the good kind this time. In a match built around the fact that Daniel Bryan has a counter for the V-trigger. The most spammed move, in a good way, but a most spammed move, move nonetheless, Brian Danielson could be the one to have so much technical acumen and such a great ring IQ that he could avoid it and not even take one. And then when he takes it, it will mean more than any V-trigger you've ever seen virtually. And then they start happening and you feel like all hope is lost. And then Danielson is such an absolutely incredible storyteller and he's so good at building his matches and he's such a fired up baby face that no, in fact, no hope is not lost. And then he can build near finishes and near falls and false finishes. Oh God, I just think that match would be my favorite wrestling match ever. Mm. So Kenny Omega is up there. I was going to say, you've got, you've got Kenny Omega. That's safe. What else? What else are you thinking? I want MGF. I want Brian Danielson, babyface versus MGF. Because MGF, like, is so good at being a heel that maybe I'm working on a project. Maybe I'm watching his early AEW run when he was kind of an unknown in the mainstream at the time. And he's still got this absolutely wonderful ability to conjure heat. Like, can remember Fighter Fest 2019? And he's, um, it's the show that is cross-promoted with CEO, like a fighting game competition, and AEW. It's Omega's idea, obviously, he loves his video games. And there's an audience of people who love wrestling and video games. MGF. Is this the one where he got to do the video games chance? Yeah, yeah. Oh, watch this. So, MGF, clever enough to know his audience and know how to piss them off. Like, he basically said, oh, he insulted them. Then to build the final punchline, he said, oh, we're getting off on the wrong foot. We're getting off on the wrong foot. Um, I used to love video games, man. Video games. 
video games. And then some idiots, some absolute morons in that crowd start going, not many, because, you know, video games, video games. And then MJF goes, yes, the little video games. Then I lost my virginity. And in an immortal crowd reaction, they picked someone who really didn't like MJF. They hover, the director that is, over this guy's face. And it's not like, ah, he got me. Isn't wrestling good and fun to be at? I don't believe in heat anymore. This guy's gutted. <laughs> this guy's absolutely wrecked. Like He looks crestfallen. It's magic. You take MGF's ability to conjure heat, how much people legitimately seem to despise him, which is he's genuinely like a time traveler in terms of how he can get that specific strain of heat. And you get a bloodthirsty crowd chanting, you're going to get your head kicked in at MJF against Brian Danielson. MJF is also an incredibly capable, pure professional wrestler. The match would be a great technical clinic. And then because MJF is so good at this, he will create the illusion that he wants to have a technical clinic. And then he'll be an arsehole and then he'll cheat. And then that'll just fire up the crowd all the more. Like that would be in the strictest definition of the word, like a classic professional wrestling match. And I talked about MJF on yesterday's pod about he has to be the first person if slash when CM Punk comes to AEW to uh, go. Because I know WWE did this, but they just so ham-fisted with it all. Just two-footed on his UFC time. And Daniel Bryan's a vegan. Now, I don't suggest that that's necessarily a, a bad trait to have, but that is an open goal for someone like Max or Jacob Friedman. Yeah, absolutely. There's loads you can say about Brian Danielson. And the great thing about the MJF character, he's established it so well. And he's enough of a star to have some sway that he would say to people like, I can't not. It would be bad for me and bad for business if I didn't absolutely go two-footed and break your fibula. So I'm sorry I have to say it. Hippie stuff, vegan stuff, basically Michael Cole in 2010, except productive. <laughs> like an actual purpose that isn't the stupidest thing I've ever seen that's what MGF can do so that would be like a tremendous dynamic tremendous pro wrestling match like that would just be incredible there's I want to work everyone I was like, going to say uh, I sincerely doubt you, I'm going to turn around and you're going to say a name and say he just has to avoid fighting this guy like let's be honest that's you- the thing like with here's a broader point AEW needs to start turning people heel. And looking at the big picture, I love that it's a nice, almost wholesome at times wrestling company that has these wonderful happy endings with the best friends that presents like earnest heart on sleeve, like just nice bloke baby faces like Jungle Boy, for example. But like they need some heels, like they really need some heels. Just recently, Brian Cage has turned face. Um, it's that doesn't take Team Taz out of the equation, but they need to start turning guys heel because there aren't that many. It's a baby face heavy promotion, and it should be. Hmm. But you're bringing in two superstar baby faces that can't possibly turn heel for at least a year. Hmm. Like, at least a year. Um, I didn't even so think feels about like Rick as a potential opponent. I don't. Yeah, Rick Starks would be incredible. Absolutely incredible. Can you imagine? Like, he's a great, great. Technician, great at emoting, would be a beautiful baby face. I mean, he just is a beautiful guy, but he'd be a beautiful baby face to work against Brian. He's so good at emoting, 
He's so good at actually wrestling. Um, he's so good at selling being pissed off. And if anything is going to piss Ricky Starks off, it would be the absolute unparalleled technical excellence of Brian Danielson. That would be incredible. But yeah, as I was saying, there's a broader point. This company needs more heels, in my opinion. Um, particularly since you've got two megastar baby faces coming in. And for that reason, like it's going to take at least a year for them to entertain the act. Like they've messed up if people are going to boo Daniel Bryan or CM Punk within a year. Like that would be an indictment on AEW. Um so it's a bit pie in the sky to try and think of a heel Daniel uh, Brian Danielson in AEW just feels like I don't want to see it because it would be a indictment of the process. But for the purposes of trying to really think about this long term, like Danielson versus Jungle Boy mm. would be absolutely incredible, like absolutely unbelievable. Because Brian Danielson, nice blow, is as good at playing heel as he is a babyface. Because one of those versatile and best workers of all time, he knows by being a great heel and by being a great babyface how to get heat on people, how to make it feel like. He's got such a mastery of technique. Like the best example I can think of is the Kofi Kingston match at WrestleMania 35. He made it feel like Kofi Kingston had no chance whatsoever. And then because he's such a master storyteller, like minutes pass by and he's just orchestrating in a stadium <laughs> this belief that Kofi could do it. And not only could he do it, but he could do it against Daniel Bryan and how great of a wrestler he is. Like loads of people think they're minted wrestling. Like loads of people have like marketed themselves at being the best at professional wrestling. I don't think there's been anyone quite like Daniel Bryan in like the actual guts of a match who can actually appear. Like, oh, he's the best. You can't beat him. Like, I've seen more exciting workers than Danielson. Like, Omega's my goat. He's more exciting, I would say. But in terms of really conveying the idea, that you cannot beat this guy. He's too, he's simply too skilled. Can you imagine with how much people love Jungle Boy or Darby Allen? Yeah, I was gonna say Darby them Allen. Coming back, them coming back and doing the comebacks against Daniel Bryan, like uh, Danielson, uh, be absolutely outstanding. There's literally not a single soul I would not want to see Danielson wrestle in this company. I think Danielson, and we'll get to this point later, he's the most ambitious of guys. Um, and, you know, ultimately everything stops with Tony Khan. But I could have readily imagine Tony Khan saying, right, Danielson, you've got the floor's yours. Who do you want to work with? But bringing you on loads of money. You're a massive modern pro wrestling superstar. Who do you want to work with? And Danielson would probably say, oh, I'd love to work with Orange Cassidy. It's like, well, you're a baby face. It's like, oh, that'd be fun. Like, he could do anything. But what he wants to do is just seem to like have fun and yeah. do things that like tell stories. Heel Danielson versus Orange Cassidy. You could do a three minute Saturday morning slam match with Cassidy, and I think you'd be happy. <laughs> uh, quick speed round, because I've got something else really important I want to talk to you about. Speed round of New Japan guys you'd like to see him face. Oh, Jesus Christ. Karoshi Tanahashi. Can I not have two? I can have two Mount Rushmore matches now. Yeah. It's ridiculous. It's amazing. It's one of those where people always say, I would like to see John Cena versus Hiroshi Tanahashi. It's like, well, would you? Would you rather see like a story being told, a dynamic between a heel and a baby face? <laughs> but Danielson versus Tanahashi with Danielson playing the heel. 
wrecking those knackered trophied arms of Tanahashi's. Like, inject it. Like, inject that into my veins. That would be incredible. Uh, Danielson versus Shingo. They had a match at Dragon Gate USA, I think it was. And it was phenomenal. And they are both significantly better than they were then. That would be amazing. Danielson versus Tomohiro Ishii. Just the kicks and how much fire and how hard they appear to be when Danielson's delivering them with Ishii's just defiance. Like, it hurts, but I'm not telling you that. Oh, my God. My head, my head will come off. Carter. Yeah. Oh, God. Well, there's an elephant in the room that we haven't mentioned here by the name of CM Punk. As I said, we discussed it. If you want to go and check out me and Hamlet on the pod yesterday about Punk's future. But how do they manage... How does Brian and... and oh, Sake, it's, it's so burnt into my brain now. How does Danielson coexist alongside someone, someone like CM Punk? Can he? It's really good. It's like having Messi and Ronaldo on the same team. Yeah. To use the old media and um, football media cliche, like it's a selection headache. Like it really is. You'd probably rather have good players in your team than absolute donkeys, like, but it's a selection headache. Like, would they fit the same system? You can't have like six strikers. You can't have the six best strikers in the world because you'll get beat with a team with like a better setup, better ability to like realize the, the manager's tactics. They've got a selection headache on their hands because realistically, if you want to get the maximum value out of these performers, you want to push them. <laughs> like that's, you want to push them as stars. And stars tend to headline cards. They tend to win titles. I don't envy Tony Khan for this. But in effect, one of them is going to have to be positioned as a bigger star than the other. Like, and a tough choice is going to have to be made. And I don't have any inside knowledge of how AEW goes. And very few do until after the fact. It's because it's a happy locker room. Very little gets leaked. So I don't know the plans. If I'm Tony Khan, Wilborn, my initial immediate gut feeling is you push CM Punk as the title contender, as the superstar out the gate, and Daniel Bryan can sort of rest at that upper mid-card level. He can maybe tell stories where, is he quite there? Is he, he could get exposed by some young guys all the while thinking and they've done it with Kenny Omega before they've done something similar with Kenny Omega maybe Danielson can come in someone like the Starks beats him and it's like Jesus Christ one didn't expect that two how great is Ricky Starks three is Danielson still Danielson and then they could tell a story and yeah two yes he is he's going to win the title my immediate gut feeling is that Daniel Bryan lost in four minutes to Cesaro before they realized, hell, edge is boring. We should put Daniel Bryan in the main event of WrestleMania. And what I mean by that is, to a certain audience, Danielson has been stigmatized as the guy who, and I'll never use what they said about him in 2013, but he's been stigmatized as a guy who isn't a John Cena, Roman Reigns, proper main event talent. And they took the piss with, 
how much he was willing to lose because he just is um, earlier this year. And I mean, I know he headlined WrestleMania, but like he was still just below the main event in terms of his positioning. And it was just this year. Like it was just this year that this happened. CM Punk has been away from this for seven years, right? Seven years. My initial gut feeling is he should present him as a slightly bigger star than Danielson. And I love CM Punk. Um, my absolute favorite wrestler in the world between 20, 2009 and 2012. I don't think his work has aged as well as someone like Danielson's. Um, I think other people have taken his style and perhaps ran with it. But in terms of a megastar aura, um, in terms of this fascinating, I can't believe he would ever come back feeling, I think you want to capitalize on his iconoclastic legend. And it's going to have to be at the expense of Danielson. Like, they can't just come in together, one's a heel, one's a baby face, get the title off Hangman, and they can have a match together. It'd be bad optics for AEW. It would make no sense because both men are going to get cheered realistically in most markets, no matter what you do with them. It's what the fans would want and you want to do what the fans want. So my initial feeling, despite me slightly preferring Danielson over Punk as a wrestler, because the fact that it's been seven years, all like throughout which Punk is just... Do you get this feeling whenever you see CM Punk? I get it. Whenever I see him on like a YouTube algorithm thing that pops out to me, yeah. I'll always think, that's oh, weird that he used to wrestle. Mm. So uh, it's literally at various points, one of my favorite professional wrestlers of all time. And because I just never thought he would come back, and there's loads of interesting things going, interesting things have been happening in pro wrestling. And I've had a family since my punk love affair. Um, I've just never gone back and watched his matches because it's always a bit bittersweet mm. for me with punk. So much so that I personally, I just forget that he used to wrestle. And if they can, from Amber, unearth this bloke as something close to what he was with this romantic idea of he's finally back, he kind of has to be positioned above Danielson for me. Yeah. Well, that's better than my idea, which was uh, reform the straight edge society with Daniel Bryan. You got everyone else there, uh, right? Uh, let's conclude um, yes. by talking about what this means in the wider picture for, for AEW, both with Punk and Brian. Uh, just returning back to this uh, report again, brilliant work by uh, Cassidy Haynes of Bodyslam.net, saying um, Brian had asked AEW for less dates and comparable money and be able to work in Japan, creative import, all of that sort of thing. It's a real indication, this isn't it, that. You know, we've had pipe dreams for many, many, many years. I know you have of a competitor to WWE. And and I'm not talking about like, you know, people, oh, Wednesday Night Wars, all that bollocks. What I mean by that is people would have to go, oh, I want to do creative input. So I'm just going to have to take a pay cut and go somewhere else. That's not the case anymore. And this could be a real sea change, either or, and possibly both, if both signed for AEW. I'm not suggesting that that means that next week Dynamite is going to suddenly do more viewers than SmackDown, but it does feel like a real line in the sand, these these moves. Yes, absolutely. 
If you want my real in-depth thoughts on this exact topic, hop on to whatculture.com slash WWE and you will find, if you scroll down, an article entitled Why AEW has just pulled off the mother of all game changers. So if you want my in-depth thoughts on that, I encourage you um, to read the article. This is... I don't think Lesnar would do this even, right? This, for me... They could still grow the audience. Like it's still an app, they're still doing that. Are they clawing back the one that got the premiere? Are they still trending upwards? Ticket sales, Nielsen ratings, buzz, everything points upwards with AEW on a slow but steady and not remotely unimpressive basis. They're the signings of Punk and Danielson for me represent the last bridge to the last lapsed fans. Um, there's, there are no other signings that I think would make people go, Jesus Christ, they've got these lads who I used to watch before I was insulted into not watching anymore. <laughs> the big misnomer is that, or the big um, confusion is that, ah, AW's not getting them attitude era ratings. Didn't get those fans back, did they? Those fans are gone. Like they are gone. My best mate who used to watch it during the Attitude Era. He's like the outlier because he watches AEW now. But I've got other mates who used to watch wrestling. They're not bothered about it. They've simply moved on. They've got other things that occupy their personal time. This all happened like 20 years ago. It's unrealistic, not just because of the way that the TV landscape is now to get those numbers again, but to get some of those people back. They've moved on. They've absolutely moved on. Wrestling right now is unrecognizable from what they liked. It's not so unrealistic to get the plural millions that stopped watching WWE from like 2015. What happened was people wanted Danielson to be positioned as an A-star player. They said in storylines, it was B+. There was this always nagging feeling like you're not going to get what you want from him. We'll put them in a certain role and we'll give them 25-minute matches. But if you're watching this product with a long-term emotional investment, you ain't getting Danielson for the long haul. Baffling creative, rubbish creative, rematches, blah, blah, everything was still going on at the time. Punk left because he realized, in addition to so much, so many other things, oh, like I'm not going to be the Cena figure that I think I'm capable of being. This, I'm out. These two developments happened in parallel with the proof of the cynicism in the form of Roman Reigns and this absolute failure to launch his babyface act. From 2015, Brandon Thurston of WrestleNomics will get a shout out because he mapped all of this. He said if there's any one sole inciting incident behind WWE's quite staggering viewership decline from 2015 to now, it was Royal Rumble 2015. It was the last time people thought, oh, maybe they'll go with Brian. They've brought him back. Maybe. And if it's not Brian, then an Ambrose or a Ziggler or a Rollins or whoever people were high on at the time. It's a romantic idea of, funny enough, the guy that we want to cheer. <laughs> and once Roman won that, I was like, right, it's not happening. And like, no offense to Roman Reigns. I really like this work. I think I prefer him as a baby face in ring guy, but regardless, millions plural just went, ah, fuck it and slowly but surely dropped out. I'm not naive. I genuinely think 
some of these like two, three million. I generally think a large portion of them make up AEW's base right now. Mm-hmm. They went to ROH in New Japan, and if they didn't, they realized, oh, hang on, this stuff's getting really hot. Oh, it's on TNT. That's convenient. I'll watch this. I think AEW's current base is probably made up out of those people who in 2015 just thought, yes. <laughs> but that isn't to say that there's enough of them still, enough of them to beat Raw, they might go, Punk and Brian, I'm watching this. And then when they watch this pretty much unanimously, like, great show, mm-hmm. they might think, this is great. So I wanted out of WWE at the time. I'll start watching. I think they will smash Raw in the demo and overall when Punk and O'Brien make their Dynamite debuts. And if this show is as good in the future as it is right now, I legitimately think that if it isn't going to happen, it's the very best chance of it happening. And in terms of them, you know, not that they need to right now, but in terms of them signing other WWE talent, it's like, well, if they can get these, almost anything is possible. It's a very, very exciting time uh, to be a wrestling fan in general, but particularly to be an AEW fan. Do let us know your thoughts on Brian Danielson being all elite. I won't believe it until I see that goddamn graphic on Twitter. Um, at what culture WWE on Twitch? If you want to continue the conversation, you can follow Michael Sidgwick at M Sidgwick for total mark tweets at the minute. Like just total mark <laughs> tweets. Uh, follow me at Adam Wilborn. Follow us all at what culture WWE. As I said, make sure you subscribe to what culture wrestling, wherever you get your podcast from for daily wrestling podcasts. You can still go back and listen to the podcast all about CM Punk's future, possibly with AEW uh, with myself and Michael Hamlet. That came out yesterday and no doubt in this coming week, uh, as we head towards more madness with, with WWE and AEW and, of course, Fight for the Fallen on Wednesday. Lots and lots to look forward to. And we'll keep you posted as well on our YouTube channel and at whatculture.com as things develop. But this has been Get the Table. My thanks to Michael Sidgwick. Thank you for joining us. And we will see you soon. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.